Last week we did the birth of John foretold. This week we have the birth of Jesus foretold. The Gospel of Luke chapter 1 verses 26 to 38. So this is a smaller section than we often have. Only 12 verses, but there's a lot in here. So it's a really good account. In the sixth month, so Luke tells us right away, this is six months after the angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah to announce the birth of John. Six months later now, he's coming to the town of Nazareth to announce the birth of Jesus to Mary. Luke's kind of great that way. He often gives us very specific uh, timelines. It's kind of nice. So six months after John is conceived, uh, now we have the announcement of Jesus and his conception as well. Uh, in a town called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. It's, of course, very important that we understand that Mary was a virgin, had not known a man before she conceived and bore Jesus. In fact, the Gospels tell us that even though Joseph was married to her before the birth of Jesus, he did not know her. So they did not have relations uh, until after Jesus had given birth. So he was not the son of Joseph, but was indeed the son of God. This is very important for our salvation for a number of reasons. The first of which is that it was foretold in the Old Testament, Isaiah 7, uh, verse 14, is a very well-known verse, uh, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall call his name Emmanuel. We often use that verse at Christmas. Uh, and so this shows us the word of God is fulfilled. The word of God is correct. What it says here in Luke, as well as what it prophesied back in Isaiah, uh, happened just as Jesus said. So that's one reason it's very important. Another reason is that we know that we all inherit a sinful nature from our fathers. So if Jesus had been born to Joseph, he would have been a sinner. He would have been a, a human sinner, just like the rest of us, and would not have been able to save us from our sins. He also would have been unable to save us from our sins if he were just a man. So he had to be without sin. He had to be God. We talk in confirmation class about the importance of Jesus being both true God and true man. He had to be true man to take our place. He had to be true God in order to do it perfectly because no man could do that. And in order to do it for all. The death, the sacrifice of one man may be enough to pay for that man's sin, but not for anyone else's. Uh, he had to be true God, born of the Father, in order to die for the sins of all men. Only true, the true God could be our Savior. So if anyone denies the virgin birth, if anyone denies that Jesus is true God, they remove from themselves the possibility of salvation because Jesus is no longer than their Savior. Born to the Virgin Mary then. And the angel came to her and said, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Later on, uh, he uses this term again, you have found favor with God in verse uh, 30. So both uh, in verse 28 and in verse 30, he uses this this uh, term that's translated favor. It's actually the Greek word for grace, you know, grace alone, the gift of God. Now, our 
human way of thinking immediately asks, why did Mary find favor with God? And immediately we start to assume, well, Mary must be special. She must have done something to find favor with God. But notice that scripture never says anything of that at all. The action is always on God's part. God has found favor with you. Um, you are, God has shown you grace. It's not something that Mary did, it, but even though in uh, verse 38, it's a passive, right? You have found favor with God. It's still God who's giving grace and, and giving favor, favor to Mary. There's nothing in scripture, there's nothing in these passages that imply that Mary did anything special. And indeed, she was a sinner, just like the rest of us. She was not wholly perfect, like the Catholics like to say. But the Lord, in his mercy and grace, bestowed this gift upon her. And that's really what it means when it says, she has found favor with God. It means God has decided to give you this gift, even though you don't deserve it. It's really hard for us to understand that, because we instantly think, well, why did she find favor with God? And our, our human way of thinking is so wrapped up in that sinful way, like, I have to do something to find favor with God. I have to do something for God. If God's pleased with me, then Mary must have done something uh, to earn it. But the scriptures never in any way imply that. It's all God, what God is doing for Mary. So God has mercy, and not just for Mary's sake, of course. Mary was the descendant of David, and so this was the fulfillment of what he had promised uh, from long ago. Uh, he's not doing it just for Mary. He's doing it for all of us. It just happens that Mary is the right one, that he he knows that this is the right time, the right place, the right person, the descendant in the line of David, uh, that now the Savior can be born. So the angel appears to her, and again, she's deeply troubled, wondering what kind of, of greeting, what's going on here. Uh, we talked about the natural reaction of sinful humans in the presence of angels. We talked about that last week. We see that a little bit of this again, what's going on. It's kind of like when a cop shows up at your door, you immediately start going over in your head, oh, what did I do wrong? This cop is showing up. Hu sinful humans have the same reaction in the presence of an angel. But the angel says, do not be afraid. I'm not here to imprison you or to, or to punish you. I'm here because God has given you this great gift that you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call his name Jesus. Now, Luke doesn't go into the name Jesus, but in Matthew, uh, in Matthew 1.21, we receive more detail. You shall, you shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And that's what the name Jesus means. Jesus is the Greek form of, of the Hebrew name Yahshua, or Joshua, as we like to say. And uh, this, so Joshua and Jesus are the same name, it's just Joshua is the Hebrew, and uh, Jesus is kind of the, the Greek pronunciation of it. And it means Jehovah saves. Jehovah, the Lord God, uh, comes to save his people. So Matthew tells us straight out, his name will be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Matthew goes into that a little more detail there. He will save, how will he save his people? He will save his people from their sins. And that's something we find a lot in the gospel of Matthew, that he really focuses on what is the kingdom of God, what kind of king Jesus is, what did he come to do? Because the 
the gospel of Matthew is written to the, to the Jews who often thought of the Messiah as an earthly king who would come and save them from the Romans. And so Matthew goes that extra step to say, no, he's not here to give us earthly happiness. He's here to save us from our sins. Luke doesn't quite go into that detail right here, um, but, but Matthew does. Matthew one twenty one is a, a good passage to look up with your kids. Uh, Luke continues, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no, there will be no end. This, of course, is a direct fulfillment of the many promises that were, were foretold about the Messiah, that he would be of the line of David. And we see that both according to Joseph and according to Mary, he is the descendant of, of David. Now, Joseph was not his actual father, uh, but Joseph was his legal father. And the legal father was far more important to the Jews than it might be to us. You know, we might think, well, he didn't descend from David if he didn't descend from Joseph. You know, but the, the Jews didn't think that way. If you were, if that was your legal father, then that was as good as, you know, being the, your, your physical father. He was considered a descendant, a member of the tribe of Judah. And so in the, the book of Matthew, Matthew traces Jesus's genealogy through Joseph. The book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, probably traces Jesus's genealogy through Mary. So he is a descendant of David, both by his adopted father, Joseph, and uh, through his mother, Mary, in either case, as God promised, coming from the line of David. He will reign over the house of Jacob, and his kingdom will have no end. And that reminds us immediately of the promises given in Daniel. And you remember the, the vision that was given to Daniel, that the, these four kingdoms, this, this statue of a man, and each layer of the statue was a different color, representing the, the four great kingdoms of the ancient world, uh, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, and, and then the Romans. And during the time of the last kingdom, during the time of the Roman kingdom, a great stone that was cut without hands rolls down and crushes the kingdom of men and that stone grows and becomes a great kingdom and lasts forever and that is the kingdom of christ the kingdom of our god of course it's not an earthly kingdom remember we go back to matthew it's a kingdom that saves us from our sins it's a heavenly kingdom but it is a kingdom that, unlike the kingdoms of this world, will last forever. Now Mary asks the angel, how can this be, since I have not known a man? We talked about this last week as well. Why is it that when Zechariah questions the angel, he gets in trouble and gets punished, whereas when Mary questions the angel, uh, she does not get in trouble? And it's the same angel, right? It's Gabriel, the same angel that announced the birth of John is now announcing the birth of Jesus. And we talked about some of the reasons maybe why. Uh, one of the more obvious reasons is probably just that Mary asks in, in wonder. Mary asks in um, curiosity, whereas Zacharias asked in doubt. Uh, Zacharias's question was more like, eh, I don't really believe you. This is not really possible. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not, that, that can't be true. Whereas Mary is more like, really? How is that possible? She's, 
She's overjoyed at the news. She's wondering at the news. And she's curious about it. And God wants us to be curious about his promises. That's a, that's a good thing. The Lord has given us many promises just as he gave Mary this promise. Mary received grace, received this gift from God. What are some of the grace, the gifts, uh, the favors that God has bestowed on us? The forgiveness of sins uh, in baptism and the Lord's Supper and, and through the word and many other promises as well. And God delights he wants us to ask questions and, and dig deeper into those promises. He doesn't want us to doubt them and ask questions in doubt, but he doesn't want us in joy and gladness to ask, well, I want to learn more about these promises. And that seems to be Mary's attitude here and what she's doing. She really wants to dig into this promise of God. How can this be? And so the angel is, is happy to explain it a little more to her. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore, the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. He will be the, the very Son of God through the power of the Holy Spirit who will come upon you. He explains a little more that it will be done by the power of God, that it will be done through the Holy Spirit. But of course, it's not something that we can fully understand what's going on there. God who created the heavens and the earth and created man in the first place can easily create uh, and give birth to the Son of God through Mary without uh, the, the normal way of, of using a, a man and a woman, but by his own power, and that's what's going on here. We don't really understand all of it. It's a miracle God does. And consider your relative Elizabeth. She also has conceived a son in her old age. This is now the sixth month for who was called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. Uh, and so the angel also directs her to uh, go to Elizabeth. You know, the text here says, consider your relative Elizabeth, but the angel is really directing Mary to go and visit Elizabeth and to receive support and comfort from her cousin, uh, her relative, Elizabeth. And Mary does do that. Uh, she stays with Elizabeth until the birth of John. Now, there's a good reason for that because this is not an easy thing that God is asking Mary to do. You know, we talk about Mary, we talk about the virgin birth, and we, we kind of think, oh, that's, you know, pretty cool for Mary. But when you stop to consider what it is that God is asking Mary to do, she's risking a lot and being given a gift, but also being, being given, in some ways, a very difficult life. Uh, Mary's not really, Mary doesn't know the future. She doesn't really know what's going to happen. Uh, she would have well known that if she became pregnant, Without first being married, that could mean a lot of trouble for her. Uh, in Israel, the punishment of that was stoning. Uh, so if anyone found out that she became pregnant before she got married, she very easily could have been stoned. She could have lost her husband. You know, you, you could become pregnant and, and you go and tell your fiancé, like, hey, I'm pregnant, and he knows that he's not the one who got you pregnant. Uh, there's a very good chance he's not going to believe her, that this is the Son of God, and he's going to leave her, right? So she's risking her life, her her marriage, her happiness. She's, she's kind of risking everything uh, when God asks her to do this thing. It's not an easy thing she has to do. And then, of course, <clears throat> um, later on, when Mary brings Jesus into the temple, uh, Simeon reminds Mary that this is going to be a, a sword will pierce your own heart. You know, she's going to have to watch her son uh, die on the cross. And when we skip ahead to Good Friday, it was a very difficult time for Mary, as well as his, his entire ministry 
having to kind of give up her son even before he died on the cross. We had the wedding of Canaan the other week in, in church. And you remember how Jesus had to kind of push Mary aside and be like, you know what? You're overstepping your bounds, Mary. I, I have work here to do. I, I can't concern myself with... Uh, you know, helping you out anymore. And and so in in a sense she kinda lost her son because he now he had this this work of ministry to do. He wasn't there to provide and take care of to take care of her anymore. And so there was a lot of, of difficulty for Mary involved in this and she, she would have known that from the start. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why the angel says, Yeah, yeah go and, and talk to your cousin, your relative Elizabeth, because she also has received this gift from God and you guys can uh, spend some time together and encourage and strengthen one another in what the Lord has done for you in that time. And that's a, that's a good lesson for us as well, that the Lord has brought us together as a church so that we can help and strengthen one another. We often don't do a very good job of it, uh, but reminding each other of the gifts of God, especially in difficulty, especially when someone's going through a difficult time or a scary time, uh, they have a difficult task like Mary had from God being there for each other. We see this with, with Mary and Elizabeth and we should maybe try and do it a little bit more in our own church. And Mary accepts this. Let it be to me as the Lord has said, uh, I am the Lord's servant. So, she, okay, it's, it's going to be a difficult thing, but this is the gift the Lord has given to me and I am going to to do my best. He hears the word of the Lord and, and responds in faith. And that's really one of the very important lessons we want to, to learn from this account. Uh, first of all, God's grace, God's grace to Mary, God's grace to us in sending his son, Jesus Christ, to be with us, but also Mary's great faith in trusting God that even though from a human perspective, she would probably be facing execution because she was pregnant before she was married. Nonetheless, she recognizes that this is a gift from God and she trusts that God is going to work it out and make it okay. Let it be to me according to your word. This is a really wonderful expression of Mary's faith that we should remember also to pray in our daily prayers. Now, whatever task or difficulty the Lord has set before us, we can trust that the Lord is going to take care of us through it and bring us through on the other end. And we uh, should accept his will for our life because in the end, that will be what's best for us. All right. The Annunciation of Jesus.